this is again inside the tribe. We talk here about moving to another country, integration, challenges, fun and experiences while living in different culture. And today I have a special guest. It's Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi. How are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? I'm also good, exciting to talk to you today and hear your story. Tell me, please, as I know, you moved from uh, United States to Switzerland, or was there something in between where you lived in another country? Yeah, so about, it was like five or six years ago, I, I've been working in a job in Florida, and I felt kind of trapped by routine, I guess, and I was just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. So I was, I decided I was going to leave, and the way that I ended up doing that, so I was already doing photography, and so I went full-time with wedding photography, but I wanted to leave the country. I knew that. And I knew I wanted to go to Europe eventually and, and try to live there for a little period of time. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, but I had visited and was attracted. I was like, oh, I kind of think that that might be fun. So I, but to leave the US, I was like, all right, I want to be somewhere for a few months and kind of stabilize myself in a new environment. And I was like, well, Canada's kind of similar to like the United States. Like a middle story. Exactly, exactly. It was kind of on my way to Europe. I was like, I'm just going to ease into another culture by going to Canada, which is almost exactly the same. Um, and so I put myself on a, a house pet sitting. It was like a house and pet sitting website where basically people who are going to go on vacation for like a long period of time can, you know, see your video and invite you to come and stay with their pets and watch their pets while they're oh, gone okay yeah yeah so this lady who had these two siberian cats like giant big black fluffy cats and so i ended up going there and watching her cats for three months in canada which was exciting and canadians are so nice they're so much nicer than americans in general i think but that's pretty <laughs> much the only cultural difference <laughs> they're like almost the same where um, in canada were you it was it was actually called london Canada okay. which is very confusing for people they're like oh wow you're in London now and I was like small city south of Toronto and Ontario it's yeah I mean in I hear a lot such stories like in US there is also St. Petersburg I think and something yes there, there is there's actually St. Petersburg in Florida where I'm from yeah exactly it's and I'm a, always wonder why how people choose the names you know? I know me too what's going on here it's very confusing for people but Yeah, um, this was one of those types of cases where I was in London. Very nice. Uh, and then after that, so I was just there for three months or so. And then from there, I ended up going to Switzerland because I'd been, I was planning on going to Germany because of the ability to get a freelance work visa as a photographer. Okay, so it's more, the criteria was like, can you work? Yeah, because I, I, I knew I wanted to continue working and I there were only actually a couple options of staying long term in Europe. You actually have to have a work visa as an American to stay here longer than three months. Three months okay. is the maximum as a tourist, technically. So I wanted to stay long term. And so I was on my way to Germany, but I kept I was looking for another pet sitting job so that I had a place to live for a few months and kind of see what was going on. And so I kept seeing this post there. I was not planning on going to Switzerland. Switzerland was not... In the all. list. No, nowhere in the list. I mean, I just didn't know anything about it. And I just, I never thought about Switzerland before, honestly, like, sorry. And so I, I kept seeing this post, though, this woman who was advertising and she, that she had two goats. in Goats? The, goats, like little goats. <laughs> okay. In the Alps. And she needed someone to help her take care of them for a period of time. And I kept seeing it and I was like, well, that's really weird. I'm not, not going to do that. 
but I kept seeing it. And after a few days, I was like, hmm, maybe I should, maybe I should like look into this and talk to this lady a little bit, because just when you see an opportunity like that, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, I'm definitely going to look back on this and I will regret if I didn't at least. Yeah. Not everyone has such experience, right? Exactly. Babysit yeah. the goats. Exactly. That's... So I ended up talking to her and I ended up taking that pet sitting. She was still there. They just, she kind of, the dogs, the goats were like dogs to her basically, but goats are in fact not dogs yeah. and they take a lot more care than a dog yeah. actually does. So she loved them and they were like her babies, but they're also goats. They're farm animals. They need a lot more of that attention. So did, did you play in Heidi? Oh yeah. <laughs> Braids every day. You know how it goes. <laughs> I was out there. Yeah. No, uh, but basically, actually, it's, I arrived in, uh, I flew into Geneva after uh, dark. It was, I think, October of that year. So it's getting dark a little earlier. Yeah. So I flew into Geneva and I took a train after dark to where she lived in Interlaken and woke up the next morning. I'm from Florida. Florida is very, very flat. There are okay. no elevate. There's no elevation at all in Florida. There are okay. no hills. There's nothing like, oh, it's not kilometers and kilometers, right? Yeah. It's just flat. It's hundred percent flat. Nothing, nothing but flat. And I, <laughs> I got here and I didn't see anything because it was so dark. I just found her house and went to sleep. I was still jet lagged. And I woke up in the morning, I looked out the window and just there's Jungfrau yeah. <laughs> right out the window. Like that was her view. It was like just the mountain ranges. The normality, the normal morning. Morning view. Yep, exactly. The highest mountain range. I was just, are you joking right now? <laughs> Very overwhelming. Yeah, I can imagine. But I think also for our listeners, you now opened the new world with this pet sitting. Yes, it's a good option. I mean, now with Corona, you can just go and babysit animals without meeting yes. anyone. People, you don't need a Corona test. Guys, yeah. did you yeah. hear? It's definitely, it's a good option for both people who want to travel and also for people who like, who want to travel and stay in other people's houses. But it's also a good option if you have, I, I talk to a lot of like my clients who say that they have pets and they don't want to leave their pets because, you know, it's hard to yeah. get, you have to get, put them in a place that they're not used to and all those things. But you can actually get on this website and get people like my, like me from America <laughs> who will come and stay in your house and take care of your animals. Of course, during. I wish I knew that before, honestly. I, I chose I chose usually the um, farming option, you know, I went to France mm, to farm yes, and yes. also living free and enjoying yes, the culture exactly. and the environment. Yeah, yeah. But a nice story. Okay. And afterwards, the goats? Did you, Jungfrau, it just brought you to and so you said, I stay? Or... Yeah, as soon as I saw it. No, um, actually, I mean, I was still trying to go to Germany, but I was staying and I started... I realized that I was kind of talking to the goats, so maybe a little bit more than I should be. I was like feeling kind of isolated. I didn't have any friends. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, maybe I should get some people to talk to. And I, I ended up meeting a guy and who lived in Basel, which is now I live in Basel. And that's kind of what brought me initially. That relationship didn't, it lasted for about two years and it didn't continue after that. But it, that's what brought me originally to Basel. And after that relationship ended, I met my husband here. So that's how he's your husband, Swiss. He is Swiss. He's from Zurich, but we live in Basel. Yeah. Nice story. Yep. Do you feel that you kind of home already? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, because I've been thinking a lot about that. I think, I think I do feel pretty at home here, but I think that that's largely due to the fact that when I was younger, we moved around a lot within the U.S., but we would move every couple of years. So I never, 
particularly had sense of a location as being home that I guess doesn't particularly resonate with me as much as kind of the people that I care about where I am with them that's more for me home home yeah exactly so I I do feel home here because of the people that I that I know here but there are definitely times when I still feel like a foreigner as well (laughs) (laughs) what do you miss in Florida from Florida Uh, you mean like a foreigner? Like I, I no, I that... mean being here. What is still unreplaceable? Okay, I just people. I think actually, I don't particularly. America is a funny place. It doesn't particularly have. Uh, we don't have a lot of traditions. I would say, or a lot of food that's specifically from America, or things like that might tie. You know, make it more strongly nostalgic. Yeah. It is where I grew up. And of course, you know, there are, there are great things about America, but there's not a lot that I miss aside, hilariously, aside from like Mexican food. <laughs> it's really hard to get good Mexican food, food in Europe for some reason. I don't know why that's not a thing here, but I always get that when I go back to the US, but that's really that and the people. <laughs> okay. Um, do you feel there is a big culture difference? Yes, I do. I do feel like there's a big cultural difference between here and the U.S. But I think that that's part of what I like about living here, though. There's a very different view here on work-life balance compared to the United States. In the United States, people very, very much are, and I didn't realize this, I didn't feel like it was this way, but they're obsessed with their jobs. So, for example, you know, when I had an office job, I would be checking my phone for emails in the evening or on weekends. And I would be doing things on like for work on the weekends, things like that. And there was a lot more expectation that you wouldn't take a vacation. I mean, that's a pretty obvious difference. You know, the two weeks of vacation is all we get in the United States for a standard corporate job. It's it's, not much. That's actually, in fact, not much time, <laughs> not much. two weeks. And I mean, I had people that I worked with, coworkers who never took their vacation. They just wouldn't take it. They would just work the whole year. And I remember trying to go on vacation, speaking with my boss about going on vacation. And it was this whole thing because uh, I wanted to go with a coworker. She and I wanted to go to yeah. Berlin. And uh, for, oh, for a total of about eight days, it was going to be a week, one full week of work with the weekends for before yeah. and after. And they were freaking out about it. They were saying, you need to take your computer. You're going to need to be checking your emails or, you know, just in case something comes up and it's urgent. But I mean, you're not an atomic bomb uh, plant something, right? No, I was in fact doing marketing and graphic design and photography for them. There was, I mean, the idea of something being so urgent that they couldn't possibly be handled by the other graphic designer who was still there I mean that's so you feel people here are more relaxed in Basel yeah, like in Switzerland yes. or... people here are a lot more I think engaged in things outside of work there are a lot there's a lot more of a focus on going outdoors and being out in nature here than there is in the United States especially from the city that I lived in Orla- Orlando and Florida just being in a city in the United States people do not care about 
being outside. It's not like you need to have been outside this week and kind of had some fresh air or open a window. We never open windows <laughs> in Florida ever. It's so hot outside, but okay, it's just not a thing that you would ever, ever do. <laughs> and coming here, people are like, we got to open the windows, get some fresh air. Let's go for a walk. I'm like, what? Okay. It's such a little thing. You don't, you don't think before when it's di not different, right? Exactly. Yep. I never would have thought of those things as being <laughs> differences or being important, but I really like I like that. And I like that people here are a lot more environmentally conscious than in the United States in general. There's a lot more focus on recycling and being eco-friendly and not destroying the planet yeah. as quickly. It's a big difference actually in lifestyle. Yeah. As your husband is Swiss, my question would be, do you feel more integrated because he's Swiss? Does it help you to get more, I don't know, local contacts and more into uh yes and no uh i mean i it it does help for sure and it, it's nice that he can he knows the culture here and he can kind of navigate and explain things to me and stuff like that i still have to find my own way to meet people i would say i don't think that having him be particularly swiss has made a huge difference in whether i make friends or you know get connected in a network here that's kind of been more something i had to do for myself Okay. Um, and your whole family, they're still in the U.S.? Mm -hmm. Everyone's in the U.S. My family, my parents haven't visited me yet. Yeah, they've never been in Switzerland yet. Oh, I think that they're just not particularly in a position to travel, especially not now, of course, well, now. with COVID, yeah. they can't. But I, they're all in the U.S. I think that I'm the person in my family that got most of the wanderlust gene. I'm a little more adventurous, maybe, than they are. Okay. I guess seems that way. I don't know. My parents also, they moved both from their parents quite far. And I just wondered that we are quite a lucky generation because before yes. you could write a, a letter and it will go two, three months probably. Now we just, we call, we text, we whatever. Yes. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? I, I can just pick up my phone at any time. Well, not while they're sleeping <laughs> that is kind of annoying but I can pick up my phone at any time and see my mom's face and be called you know talking to her or just with FaceTime or something like that yeah this is a good time to be living internationally for sure it's fortunate yeah do you feel that what I've heard U.S. is quite a monoculture for example yeah. for outer world it's a monoculture yes and living in Switzerland where already several languages are in and also in Basel which is really on on the border with France and Germany, does it change the person to live in such a multicultural environment? Yes, I think it does. Uh, I mean, I don't know if change is maybe the word that I would use. I feel like it expands someone's perspective, makes the perspective much larger. Just because in, in the U.S., People don't really travel internationally per se. I mean, maybe to Canada, like I did. Whoa, so different. Uh, but yeah, people, it's hard to see outside of the way that you do things as uh, a nation. And here it's very interesting. The language differences are obviously interesting, but culturally it's interesting to be so close to other people doing things in a different way. I think that it helps you move forward more quickly to see how things work in other, in an, in another country that's similar to yours, you're like, oh, they're doing it this way. We could do it that way too. Whereas in the U.S., people are very hesitant and skeptical to do things in a new, in a different way because they're not looking so much to any other country, I think, in yeah. general, just from not having actually been to another country or just honestly being totally unaware of the way that other cultures operate or other 
any other societies. It's, the U.S. is so isolated and it's just so big that people can travel for, you can fly for, you know, for seven, anything, yeah. Seven, yeah, exactly. You flew for seven hours, but you're still in the United States. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can relate to that. Um, yeah, I'm right. Russian, yes. So, <laughs> yes. Is it the same it's, in Russia? Um, I mean, you, you have mountains, you have sea, you have everything. I mean, we have, you can fly six hours and you're still in the middle of the country. Yes. And there's mm-hmm. nothing, only forests. So, yeah. Do you, do you think that the, the mentality of people there in Russia is some like kind of excluding of other countries and the way that other countries do things? I'm just curious. because um, You can and you can't say that it's a monoculture because of Soviet Union, we also mixed very much with right. all other countries that were before in Soviet Union. But it's a big language, though there is several little languages included in and people yeah I think if people have a bit harder life they more concentrated attention on themselves and their country yeah absolute sense yes I would say like that but it's also if you have such a big country even the western point will so differ from the eastern port of the same country which is so interesting because in the United States, it's so big and it's not like that. No, it's the same. I mean, I, it's the same. There's no language difference, dialect difference, cultural difference, really, between someone who lives on one side of the country and someone lives who lives on the entire other side. It's so strange. Well, I mean, then it's crazy for you. I mean, Switzerland is quite, well, very small to us. It and is. there's like all four parts different languages yes and kind of different holidays whatever so I mean how how is it for you it's so strange but it's fascinating you can go for drive for one hour and the dialect completely changes fascinating it's very I think that it's definitely something that I like about living here it's constantly something's interesting you know things are so different it's not you're not going to go have the same even the same food an hour away, you know, yeah. they have some other specialty, which I love food. So that is true. true. For me, that's important. I'm like, wow. <laughs> what is your favorite food in Switzerland? Uh, in Switzerland, I hate to say it, but probably fondue, big classic. There's some really, I would say a, a close second though, is this really strange dish that I think is not known outside of Switzerland, which is this dried bean soup. Yeah, you see in like Culp's these bags of dried beans. I think I'm not sure if that they were fermented before they were dried, but you soak them and then you make a soup out of them. I think with ham usually or something, and that is really really good. And that is, but fondue of course it's mel- it's molten cheese. You can't really beat that <laughs> you, with any. You can fail it. Well, you can they say, but yeah, that's a one of yeah. the well known. It's kind of a cliche, right? Cheese yes, in Switzerland. Yes, there's a reason it's well known, though. I will say that that is delicious food. <laughs> what is the? What are the stereotypes on Switzerland in US? I mean, if people hear about Switzerland, what they would say? I am embarrassed to say that in the United States, nobody really thinks about Switzerland. <laughs> Nobody knows where there it is. Yeah, there's a, everyone's always asking me, so how's Sweden? And I'm like, hmm, that is not <laughs> actually the same country. I'm not in Sweden <laughs> at all. I mean, Heidi, I guess I kind of knew Heidi wasn't okay. Switzerland. But other than that, I mean, chocolate, I guess there's chocolate from Switzerland. People know that. 
chocolate and mountains, but there are no stereotypes or misconceptions about Swiss people because Americans are very busy thinking about their own culture and not at all about anyone else's. <laughs> it's part of that part of that being isolated in, you know, monoculture country that's just surrounded by water mostly yeah. nobody goes anywhere else so we don't think about other places very strange I've heard several times people were saying that can mm -hmm. yeah I was wondering um how was it for you after you moved to make new friends and to meet people it was quite difficult here especially because the first three years that I lived here since I'm a photographer and I do I was I was still doing more weddings at that point uh I did wedding photography for about six or seven years exclusively. So I was still going back to the U.S. to photograph weddings. So I would need to be back in the U.S. for about three months, four months at a time. So I would be here for three or four months, and then I would be there for three or four months and back and forth for, I mean, at least two years I did that. It's so, like a Uber boat work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really something, a lot of jet lag. It was fun. I didn't hate it. I enjoyed seeing new things, but it made it very difficult to make friends, especially initially because I wasn't connected at all to being here. When I came back, I was with my boyfriend and spending, you know, all the time that we had together and I wasn't looking for other people. And I also don't know how I would have met them if I was. It was very, I didn't have any close friends here aside from a roommate that I had in Germany uh until I started uh I joined a couple of groups here eventually is how I found friends but if I hadn't done that of course I wouldn't there was no other way to meet anyone because I wasn't I was not working in an office setting since I'm yeah. self-employed and there's just me in my studio <laughs> so so it was uh, more like an expat communities or difficult to find ways to meet Swiss people I Swiss people are such kind nice people if you can get to know them but I think that they're quite um they have their friends that they've had for a long time and it's quite closed until you can get in once you're in they, they're great but it's kind of difficult to break into kind of groups of like friend groups here I think in Swiss friend groups in my experience most mm -hmm. of the people I've met have been international yeah my friends are my closest friends are international okay so it's a mix yeah yeah would you say you arrived there's feeling of home that we discussed are you arrived or there is still feeling that it's not the not the end point but you know like that's can change still for you yeah kind of feeling of being settled I I would be happy to be here I do feel like this is you know when I come back here after having you know been gone for weeks or months I do feel like I'm this is like where you know I feel home I feel like I'm back And I'm, this is where I'm rooted right now. But I think that also because I've moved around so much in my life, I don't see myself. I mean, I would be fine living here for the rest of my life. I really like it here. I love a lot of things about Switzerland, but I also wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I ended up moving somewhere else, if that makes sense. So arrived. Sure. <laughs> is this the end point? I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't be mad, but I also could definitely see myself moving somewhere else at some point if we decided to move. Yeah, it's quite a nomad feeling, I would say. Easy to go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've always been kind of that way. Growing up in different places, you just <laughs> it doesn't bother you to move around a lot. I don't know. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I'm I'm a daughter of a military men, so I traveled myself a lot. Yep. So you understand. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And it's exciting. It is. I mean, it's um, as a child, it's easy to do. And then it's kind of habit and you kind of easy to change. Though I think when um, there is a family, it's a bit different. It's a bigger decision. Yeah. Yeah. And it's more, yeah, it's definitely more difficult to move. I think when it's more than just you, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, I've always enjoyed, I think that especially for me as an artist also, it's fascinating. It fuels me, I think, to see new things and experience new cultures and just be constantly learning about new ways of doing things. I've always felt that that affected the way that I see things and the art that I create. Do you feel it's different, the feeling of the art and um, reading, creating in Europe than in the US? Yeah, I actually, I do, but I don't, I don't think necessarily it's because of specifically being here in Europe. I, I think that it's just about being in a new place I, for me. Because I've, I've always felt that when I was in the same, same place, some people find a lot of rest and a lot of uh, comfort in routine and in things being the same way, and it frees their mind to be creative. I'm kind of the opposite of that. As far as my creativity goes, I think that when I see the same thing over and over again, I have kind of dulls me and I don't think of as many new ideas. But when I'm in an environment like even here, something so small as figuring out how to like open a door in a way that doesn't, we don't do it in the US. And it's like, hmm, this is a door. I have to, it's something what do you silly, mean? Like, what do you mean by that? Like, even, all right. So, specifically, like when I first came here, okay, so Orlando at the time I left did not have a tram. Even now it has one tram and it just goes back and forth. It's terrible. Okay. But I had never encountered non-automatic tram system. Like I had been to New York, of course, and the subway system there, but the doors open automatically in New York okay. actually. So it was something stupid like that. Like there's different ways to open, to open tram doors. And here in Switzerland and in Italy and in Germany, it's sometimes hey, you're like, well, it's the button that's got flashing lights. It consider myself to be an intelligent person, but if you've <laughs> never seen it before and you're like, oh, how do I open the door? I, there's the door and it's closed. No, what, what am I, and my train's about to go. I did figure it out, obviously. Yep. (laughs) Problem solving 101 can do, but (laughs) even things like that, just something small, like in your day-to-day life that you're like, oh, how do I do this? But it's because Uh, it's automatic, right? With the time and... Well, uh, the auto, the doors open automatically right now with the trams, but they, I mean... I mean, you, like if you do some things... Mm-hmm. years in one way it's then automatic yeah and it's obvious but like being able to read a train schedule also is an, a new experience if you've never done it before yeah. and just things like that it's all new new information into my brain and it definitely stirs it creatively and helps me think kind of more outside the box somehow yeah. I don't know but I've I've really enjoyed that about living here for sure things being new all the time even I've been here six years now I think first couple of years off and on of course living more permanently here for the past three years and even now we'll go somewhere and you know there's something new what was the last new thing okay yeah the last new thing um I'll just be honest we were in the Italian part of Switzerland and the last thing that I took a picture of and sent to my friend was the button to flush a toilet because I was like oh it's a new way in the U.S. I'm sorry but there's there's like one way to flush a toilet. It's a handle or a, it's a handle. It's actually just a handle. You put, you push the handle, the toilet flushes. In Europe, however, ingenuity, 
there are many, many ways. I've spent time searching for the way to flush a toilet when it was on the floor, like a button on the floor. Yes. would never happen in the US. It can be on a chain hanging above. It could be a button. It could be a lever. It could be hidden. It could, <laughs> Creativity. Be, on the wall. It could be on the toilet. Exactly. Creativity. <laughs> and that was the last new thing that I encountered. And I was like, wow, they've done it again. I thought I'd seen them all, but here's a new way to flush the toilet. You're welcome. <laughs> That's funny. You know um, what habit I need to uh, give up? Like, not give up. It, it's a good habit to give up. I mean, in Moscow, you just always have a closed bag on the zipper, and mm-hmm. you have it under your arm, really, that you control it, and it's closed, and it's yours. Yes. Here, you need to do it maybe only on the Christmas market and yes. on the carnival. Otherwise, everybody's with open bags. You can, like... Guys, I see everything you have and it's just reachable. What do you do? So it's really a habit to lose, kind of relaxed and everything. Yeah. But the funny thing that once I'm in Moscow back, it's like five minutes and I switch back to all old habits. You kind of switched. Yes. Does it happen to you too? Like when you're home, do you feel you changed again a bit or like? Yeah. So I think that one, the thing for me that I've noticed that's, very different the volume of talking in the united states is quite a bit louder actually than it is here i remember two years ago i went back and it was the first time i really noticed it in the u.s i was sitting in a restaurant and i was just overwhelmed by how loud everyone was talking i was just sitting there looking at my friends and they were just talking to me and i was like sorry it's like really loud in here right you're shouting they were like I mean, no, not really. It's, is it? Yeah. Everyone's shouting <laughs> right now. And in Europe, everyone sits at their table and they talk very quietly and they're just yeah. having their own conversation. The same way it's, it's the same on the trains when you're here. Tram. Like, People don't talk on the phone yes, in tram. Yes. That's such a big difference. And I go back to like, if I'm back in New York city or something like that, and then people are just on the phone, they're yelling, they're literally yelling to to each other in, on the subway there or here in the train you can always play a fun game of spot the american because we'll get on the train and be literally yelling across the train car hey bobby do you want a sandwich I'm like <laughs> i'm just like oh this is so embarrassing this is why europeans think we're obnoxious like you guys are literally yelling so i assume that when i go back to the u.s i think i probably speak more loudly to people i mean i must in restaurants you know things like that in public places because we are okay. loud. <laughs> so weird Never noticed, never would have thought of that before. It's alarming though. <laughs> How are you with the, with the language? Oh my God. One of any you want yeah, to talk which here. One? Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm learning German. My yeah, husband is Swiss German, of course. And so he actually lived in Germany, fortunately, for about eight years. So he speaks standard German really well, helping me, but it's, I'm struggling. <laughs> it's such a difficult... Do you speak home German? So you would no. train yourself? Or... We speak English because my German is so bad that it would just be like him having a conversation with toddler. You know what I mean? Like we wouldn't have, we wouldn't get anywhere. We would <laughs> depth of our relationship might be diminished. I think. Yeah. So I've been taking classes. I you know officially registered in Basel last year uh, at the beginning of the year. So I had, the city gives you classes, mm, yeah, uh, free classes. So I've been 
taking German classes twice a week and practicing, it's getting better. I understand a lot more now. Uh, I, I definitely understand enough. And most importantly, I can handle a restaurant situation in German, which is, you know, the most important thing <laughs> to be able to get my food. Uh, yeah, the language has definitely been a challenge, big challenge, especially since so many Basel is so international and there are so many people here who speak English that people will just switch back into English if I try to speak German with them. Do you try it? Like, I do. Are you trying to say, like, stop, I need to yes. train myself? Like, I, yep, I actually learned how to say that in German. But it's very difficult because people here are speaking, they speak some version of standard German that's actually a Swiss German version. And it's very, very difficult for me to understand it when I'm learning standard German. I mean, something in the grocery store, like, and I'm asking me if I want a receipt sometimes. I'm like, what? Like, I haven't heard it said that way before. That's strange and Swiss. I mean, I heard Germans struggling with Swiss Germans, so yeah, don't feel bad about this. <laughs> I know, yeah. I had a friend who was from Hamburg who said that she almost can't understand what they're saying when she's in Zurich. So that makes me feel a little bit better. No, for me, um, for me it's sometimes strange because um, I can understand and then basically now I need to do, control myself that I speak Hoch German if mm -hmm, I need to, mm -hmm. because it's automatic comes Swiss German but yeah. for me it's like a bit a baby language when you try to change letters so that nobody understands you yes so it's kind of <laughs> challenge to to try to learn a language when you're in a country that almost speaks that language but really doesn't it's discouraging to go out and yeah because it's not in written you know exactly I mean yeah. they all write sms's and whatsapp in this language but it's not official written one so all newspapers yeah. tv and everything it's high german yes so it's so strange and they write the way that they write so swiss german the way that they text it it also changes the like they'll spell or or have a different word for something from zurich to basel yeah so someone might text you from zurich in swiss german the language that you grew up with and you like be Like, what does this mean? Yeah. That's unbelievable to me. It's, and it's there an hour away. That is so strange. Do you ask your it. husband usually from... Because me and my husband, he's also Swiss. We play a game. He can, by hearing, just tell from which canton the person yeah. is. Yeah. Tom That's funny that game too. always, yeah. Yes. But he can definitely do that too. <laughs> so strange. <laughs> I, I, how do you learn that? I mean, I can, I can define only Turi. And maybe Bam, that's it. That's I it. think Zurich and Basel I could get, but other than that, I don't know if I would be able to. Bern, they speak more slowly, right? So maybe I could get it, but I'm not sure. <laughs> they say here, hand and fuße, hands and feet, you know, you just mm -hmm. show pantomime or something. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's all just, <laughs> it's a fun challenge. Exactly. I like learning German. <laughs> if in future you will have kids, How do you think it will be to raise them in several cultures or keep your culture if you will be away from your country? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that would be great. I think it would be great to raise a child with parents from two different cultures. You get, and especially with the languages, I think that that would be important to us if we have children to have the children speak English and also at least Swiss German or German or standard German, you know, so that they would be bilingual and also... I think that this would be a good place to raise children, actually, just because of the way that it's very different here, the way they view safety for children 
in America, people are very paranoid. So we have a lot of scare media. The worst possible thing you can imagine is the thing that the media wants to tell us the most. So I think that people have a, a view of the world that it's the worst possible scenario is the only scenario. So you have, you can't let your children, for example, go into the woods when they're in kindergarten and build a fire. <laughs> that would never happen. Really? Why? It's dangerous. The child will fall in and they will die. That's why. Because that's okay. what Americans believe. <laughs> Did you But, see there was a, uh, there, there was in, uh, a movie how kids um, are raised in kindergarten in Denmark, I think. It's no. called uh, Wood kids or something so it's really it's a, it's like a forest kindergarten uh-huh. so there is a man and they use from i don't know four three and knives to make like uh, cut the woods and they go up to the trees like i don't know four or five meters high they like like yeah. mowgli you know like the yes yeah absolutely it doesn't matter it's cold it's rain and snow it's whatever what they outside and they really the whole day outside in the forest and they learn about bugs and i think it's a next it's like another level already yeah it's like beyond what switzerland's doing <laughs> but i mean i it's so natural i think it's so so healthy for the development of a child and i think that that's a good way to teach kids about how the like how to be safe with things and how to be responsible there's a lot more personal responsibility um in switzerland at least than there is in the us In the U.S., it's a lot more kind of culturally, you're not allowed to do that because it, it's not safe or, you know, yeah. are you sure? Like, check it again, you know, kind of prompting, like, enter your email address twice. And here it's more like, just do it right the first time. You know, you're responsible for your actions. We're not yeah. babysitting you as much. Yeah. And it's a huge difference. And I think that that's something that mentality of being responsible personally for your safety and for what you do is kind of something that started in kindergarten here. And I think that that's great. And I think it's great for children to be outside and see all of that. And it's from my perspective and from what I've seen, I think that it would be healthy, healthier for a child to grow up here, um, learning to walk themselves to school and, you know, be responsible for that. Yeah. And because it makes a difference in the adults. Seeing the, seeing the world more welcome place, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely different here. People do see it, I think, yeah. as being a more welcome place. I can talk to you for hours, but um, I think today it's um, our time ending. So I would, for the end, um, ask you maybe to give some tips to people who was, uh, was thinking to move um, or just moved. What would be the tips that make the move easier, smoother or more exciting experience than the bad experience? Yeah, I mean, I think just being... I think that the most important thing is probably mentality, just being open to things being different, being open to the fact that you're not always going to know what's going on <laughs> um, and that things will probably go wrong at some point, which is fine. But also being, I think for me, one of the biggest things that helped me was just thinking about how many people have already done what I was doing and that they, if they could do it, so could I, <laughs> you know? And so I, that was the biggest, my biggest mentality that I think I needed with uh, getting visas and things like that, because that seemed a bit overwhelming at first with all the paperwork and all of the documentation yeah. that was needed. But just knowing that, you know, other people, if they can do it, I can do it. 
Yeah. And also just trying, I think that if I did it again, I would try to get connected more quickly to other groups here through Facebook or meetup. People are so active here on meetup, <laughs> especially the expat community, I guess. Yeah. It's a big one. Is, yeah. Big one. Active on meetup. So I would, if I did it again, I would meet people sooner and cause having friends in a place definitely makes you enjoy the place a lot more. Just Thank you, Melissa. Mentality. You're welcome. It was wonderful talking with you. Thank you for interviewing and chatting and really enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. It was Inside the Tribe and we hear us next time. Bye.